The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Well, welcome to another edition of the Characters of Christmas podcast. I do hope you're enjoying these podcasts and my guess as you're listening, we're smack dab in the middle of this Christmas season. Uh, this is my favorite time of year. Uh, I just love this time of year so much. Today we're going to talk about Herod, the monster of Christmas. Let me just pause and say, when you think of Christmas and you see that nativity set, you don't think of Herod. Like my kids used to play with a Fisher-Price nativity kid set. There was no Herod figure there. Uh, I have been to um, Jerusalem in the old city and I've purchased several wooden nativity sets. None of them had a Herod. Herod doesn't adorn our Christmas cards. Uh, Herod's not in our school pageants. Uh, but he's a central figure in Christmas. And it's interesting to me that when you... When we indulge all of our Christmas stories that we love, our favorite movies, Hallmark movies, whatever, there's always a um, bad guy that has to be de- beat, right? There's always a nemesis, right? It's a Wonderful Life has Mr. Potter, uh, you know, Christmas Carol, it's basically Scrooge, Elf, it's basically the kind of out-of-touch business people, the Hallmark movies that my wife makes me watch. It's usually some evil developer that's turning the you know, Christmas shop into apartments or something like that. Uh, there's always a bad guy. And I think this reflects what God has written on our hearts, that there is this battle between good and evil in the world. Well, Herod is the original Grinch of Christmas. And for good reason, because Herod is just a wicked king. And he is portrayed here in Matthew's gospel this way. There's a few things to think about with Herod. Uh, Herod was not really a legitimate king of Israel in the sense of in the line of the Old Testament kings and the family of David. Herod was put uh, where he is by the Roman government. And uh, there's actually uh, several Herods that are in uh the New Testament, and it sometimes it can be hard to keep up. Uh, but he he's a Roman appointed governor. He is Herod the Great. He is the the kind of the granddaddy of all the Herods we see in uh, the Gospels and in history. Uh, he was a builder. He, he constructed impressive water systems known as aqueducts, and he rebuilt Solomon's temple. Uh, he had impressive architectural achievements that some still exist today. I have actually walked among the aqueducts, which these are the these stone and concrete structures that help deliver water throughout the desert in an impressive water management system. I've, I've seen those. I've been to Israel and seen those. But Herod was also ruthless and paranoid. Everyone in Israel knew he was not a legitimate king of Israel, having descended from Esau. He ruled by fear. Uh, here's just a short list of some of his violent acts. And it's it's really quite amazing how wicked he was. Was 
Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hey listeners, if you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Rettle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect or to have hard conversations. You can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Herod killed the final members of the Hasmonean ruling family that came before him. He had many of the members of the Sanhedrin the religious ruling body executed. He slaughtered members of his own family, his wife, Marianne, his mother-in-law, Alexander, and three of his sons. Herod even tried to have all the elite leaders in Jerusalem killed upon his death, uh, arranging for them to be herded into the into this large building and killed the moment he passed. They ignored that last decree. He was a bloodthirsty, insecure, violent, wicked man and powerful. So, you imagine the scene in Matthew when this massive entourage from the east arrives in Jerusalem asking, where is the king of the Jews? And they're not talking about Herod. <laughs> uh, you imagine the jealousy that evoked from him. that who, who else would be king of the Jews worthy of being sought after? Um, so obviously he s- puts together a committee, right? He seeks all the religious people in his kingdom, the scribes, the scholars, uh, asking him, what are these people talking about? And of course they searched the old Testament prophecies that Herod really didn't care about, but he cared about now they found where there was a prediction that a Christ child would be born. They, Matthew two, chapter four quotes from Micah five, two, where it says in Bethlehem out of you shall come forth one who is to be ruler in Israel. And so He's paranoid. Now think about this. This is a baby. This is how ridiculously insecure and paranoid he was. He summons the the wise men. He lies to them. He uses religious language, which will not be the first or last political leader to use religious language to manipulate things. And he says, I'd like to worship this baby. Let me, Give me information. And of course, the wise men ignore him. And then he 
proceeds to commit infanticide in Bethlehem, killing all the babies under two years old. We kind of breeze through that uh, when we read the Christmas story. But think about what is happening. Think about the families shattered and the lives destroyed and these innocent people massacre, uh, seeing their baby massacred. How awful this is. Actually, there's some archaeological evidence to find mass graves in that area of, of, of the world to say that this really happened. Um, what, a, what an awful thing. But what, what's happening here in the life of Herod, I think is important for us to understand that Herod thinks he has power. Herod thinks he is in charge. Herod thinks that what is in front of him matters. What, what he doesn't understand is he is just a small figure in, in the cosmic history of God's redemptive plan. Herod is one in a long line of those who have raised their fist against the Almighty, the long line in a series of antichrists. And the story of Herod really goes back to the garden. It goes back to Genesis, where because of Adam and Eve's sin, God predicts that the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman will violently violently crash. But yet that one day the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. This is the God's promise, the as some scholars call it, the proto evangelin, the first announcement of the gospel plan. And you see this storyline throughout the Old Testament. That God is raising up a people, but then there are people raised up who fight against God, right? Uh, this is the war between God and Satan, but between God and uh, Satan and his enemies and his demons. And this thread throughout Old Testament history from the story of Abraham, throughout the story of Israel, through the story of King David, uh, and times that it seemed that God's people wouldn't endure that the David's throne, his kingdom wouldn't last. And yet, I mean, I mean, you just look through the, the period of the judges and the period of, uh, of the Kings where there's one episode where every member of David's family line was killed except for one baby that was hid for a couple of years by a faithful family. And it's, it's just back and forth. And this is the story of the world that there is, Light and darkness, good and evil. When Adam and Eve sinned and they made their deal with the devil, it ushered sin and death into the world. And sin is so pervasive, it has marbled through every aspect of the human experience and every part of uh, the creation. Uh, Romans says that creation... Um, um, groans and travails for redemption that that you, and we can see it in our world today the injustice the evil the heartbreak the brokenness around us if you were a family in bethlehem you're thinking why is this happening why is my baby being taken from me today if you look and you say why is there racism why is there abortion why is there murder and, and, and sexual assault and human trafficking and 
you know, discarding of the elderly and, and, and corruption in the world. Why is this happening? If you don't understand the story that the Bible tells about the world, it's going to be hard for you to understand. But if you understand that in the midst of this bleak midwinter, that first Christmas, that it seemed that evil was winning, that men like Herod were winning, we need to be reminded that in a world of evil and suffering, when it seems that Satan has the upper hand. And if you look around in 2020, it has seemed that Satan has had the upper hand. A global pandemic, racial tension, natural disasters, um, a divisive political election in the United States, war and famine and, and all kinds of things all over the world. We need to be reminded that God is sovereign over all things. Psalm 2 David here describes God's response to the nations and rulers who plot against the Almighty, these Herod figures in every generation. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Uh, this is the story of Matthew's gospel, the story of Christmas that God has determined to set upon his hill, his king Jesus. Uh, and look, the earth is full of the graves of kings like Herod, who tried and failed to usurp the true king from Eden on through the life of Jesus. Listen, Herod may have seemed powerful. He may have initiated a culture of fear in Israel, but he was no match for the king of kings. Matthew is saying in his gospel, Herod's not the true king. Jesus is the true king. And this is what we should take away from the life of Herod this Christmas. The people we think possess the most power, who put fear in our hearts, are really not that powerful. James Montgomery Boyce says, God is not troubled by this cosmic rebellion. God laughs at such folly. I also think this is a reminder this Christmas that as much as we love this season, as much as it has warm feelings and good vibes and families coming together and gift giving and beautiful songs and, and pausing and stepping away from the noise and the hustle of life, as much as we celebrate the good news that Jesus has come into this world, we have to recognize that the world is full of deep and hard brokenness that many people this Christmas will be lonely. They'll have lost loved ones. There's a place setting that's empty at the table where someone was last year. Um, many are out of jobs. Many are hurting. Many are sick. Many are distressed and weary and cynical and jaded. And this is the kind of world Jesus came into. This is the kind of evil that Jesus confronted in his first coming. That Christmas in the first century, in every Christmas, God has come into a world that is evil and broken. And I think it's particularly hard for us to understand that it was the most vulnerable that this powerful King Herod targeted. 
a man who has everything at his disposal, riches and wealth and power and fame, and yet he kills innocent baby boys. This is really what we often see with wicked rulers, that it's the most vulnerable who suffer under their rule who are targeted for them. When I think about that December in 2012, when a gunman opened fire in a kindergarten in Connecticut and innocent children were gunned down and murdering the innocent, the young, the vulnerable. There's something about children that threatens evil people. Uh, Russell Moore says this. He says, Satan hates children because he hates Jesus. When evil destroys the least of these, the most vulnerable among us, it destroys a picture of Jesus himself, of the child delivered by the woman who crushes the head of our reptilian overlord. The demonic powers know that the human race is saved and they're vanquished by a child born of woman. And so they hate the children who bear his nature. The satanic powers want the kingdom of the universe and a child uproots their reign. A child uproots their reign. And the uprooting by this child Jesus would signal the end of the reign of wicked kings like Herod. Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And in the context of that prophecy on Isaiah, the context of that is judgment against the nations. You see, a child, this child, threatens Herod and everyone who aligns against the Holy One. The child born in the manger was a sign of judgment. He is peace to those who put their trust in him, but he's an enemy to, to those who wish to go their own way. And yet this judgment is a sign of hope, a sign of something new on the way. Uh, as Matthew talks about Herod's violence against these baby boys, he quotes from Jeremiah 31 and echoes the weeping endured by a previous generation of Hebrew mothers and fathers lamenting the loss of their land and the carrying of their child away to a foreign land. I love what D.A. Carson says when he explains why Matthew quotes Jeremiah here in talking about Herod's massacre of the innocents. He says, Jeremiah occurs in a setting of hope. Despite the tears, God says, the exiles will return. And now Matthew, referring to Jeremiah 31, likewise says that despite the tears of the Bethlehem mothers, there's hope because Messiah has escaped Herod and will ultimately reign. Matthew has already made the exile a turning point in his thought, for at that time the Davidic line was dethroned. The tears of the exile are now being fulfilled. The tears begun in Jeremiah's day are climaxed and ended by the tears of the mothers of Bethlehem. The heir to David's throne has come. The exile is over. The true son of God has arrived and he will introduce the new covenant promised by Jeremiah. The heir to David's throne has come. That long cosmic struggle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman has culminated in Christ. Satan, the father of lies, the author of bloodshed with murder on his heart will be defeated when this baby Jesus would ascend to a bloody Roman cross, endure the wrath of the Father, and rise again in victory on the third day. When Jesus cried, it is finished. The battle was over. He had defeated sin, death, and the grave. You see, this battle between good and evil was not really an, an even match. It wasn't a parallel battle. It's not Jesus and Satan, two equally powerful opponents. No, Jesus crushed Satan. 
He crushed the serpent. He defeated sin, death, and the grave. And I want to tell you this Christmas, despite the bleakness and the hardness of this time, that Christ has defeated sin, death, and the grave and is coming again in his second coming to fully heal and restore human souls and the world. And I want to thank you for joining me today for another edition of the Characters of Christmas podcast. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.